Good morning, now officially. Good morning. All right. Well, it's good to see you this morning. Appreciate you being here. Which one of these am I supposed to use? Um, this one? Okay. That's the middle. Now you got the tall thing next to the short book. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have a little interesting time this morning. Um, you know, JJ, who isn't here today to have to suffer through my, um, my sermon like I had to suffer through his. Um, he's got this thing about Nehemiah. And uh, you might remember, if you were here last week, thank you, sir, that uh, three times during his sermon, he told me what I needed to preach during my sermon. I don't know if you picked up on that or not, but... Uh, a couple of years ago, in our community group, uh, I'd emailed out a few topics to see what the group might want to study. One of them was the book of Nehemiah, and uh, Laura discreetly emailed me back and said, if you don't want JJ to take over the whole thing, then you probably need to stay out of the book of Nehemiah. So he just loves Nehemiah, uh, and I do too, but with that background, JJ and I have been having some fun in that uh, we've been kind of telling each other about just how we were going to mop up the other one, you know, the floor with the other one as far as preaching out of Nehemiah, who was going to do the better job. And I told him that I could out-preach him with one hand tied behind my back. So um, in case you're wondering what's going on here, I have one hand tied behind my back. So um, however, after hearing him and the great job he did last week, uh, I've decided that I not only need both of my hands, but um, I've actually brought a couple of extra hands just in case that I need the extra. So, uh, so I've got two extra hands, so that's just the way this is going to be. J.J. did a, a great job, and uh, I appreciate uh, the preparation that he did last week. So we're having fun, and uh, Marina, where are you at, sweetheart? Take that to your Aunt Connie. She has trouble getting good scripture. Um, you know, she's been caught before using her phone and pretending that it's the Bible. Uh, so I brought, I may want you to read. You might... You might want to open that because I may have you read some out of there. Um, so, uh, just so you know. Um, yeah, it's in Hebrew. I hope you're up on your Hebrew. Um, Got to have a little fun at church, right? Can't have it fun at church where you're going to have fun at. So, you know, really, though, when I'm kidding around about um, about preaching, none of us are are that good at preaching, but the good news is this, if you'll just stick to Scripture, the Holy Spirit will take care of all that part of it anyway. So it's not really about who we are or what we do, it's more about um, who is, um, who's speaking. In this case, we want it to be the Holy Scripture, so uh, the Holy Spirit. So today I want to focus on uh, chapter 8 of Nehemiah. Now I had um, two of my Swafford boys, two of the three Swafford boys handed everybody out. I'm reading today from the easy to read version. 
Um, don't mean to offend anybody. Uh, if you're offended, go ahead and get over it. Um, but um, I chose that because it reads so well for this particular set of Scripture. And I'm really a King James kind of guy, so I really should be in the King James Version. Um, even the um, English Standard Version is, is probably a step away from me. If I want to look up a passage, then am I using um, you know, one of the search engines or something on the Internet, and I want to look a passage up, I always have to do it in the King James. I have no idea how to find anything else in the Bible without the King James language, but that's just the way I was raised. Um, so today we're going to um, focus on chapter 8 of Nehemiah, and we're going to look at how God's power is manifest through unity, through desire, through worship, through simplicity, and through obedience. Okay, last week, if you remember, J.J. had seven points. I only have five, so I'm already like 20-something percent ahead of him in the voting. Uh, So I only have five points, so you stay with me on these. So the power of unity and fellowship. In uh, the first part of verse 1, it says this, So all the Israelites met together in the seventh month of the year. They were united and in complete agreement. They all met together in the open place in front of the water gate. Now unity has a power in and of itself. And it can be a power for evil, just like it can be a power for good. So let's take a look at uh, where unity can actually be evil. Let's look at the Tower of Babel, for instance. Genesis 11, 4 through 6. And you have this on your sheet uh, as well. So um, it says this, Then the people said, Let's build ourselves a city and a tower that will reach to the sky, that we will be famous. This will keep us together so that we will not be scattered all over the earth. Then the Lord came down to see the city and the tower. The Lord said, These people all speak the same language, and I see that they are joined together to do this work. They're unified. This is only the beginning of what they can do. Soon they will be able to do anything they want. Well, there's unity uh, and great power in unity, but this was not for God's purposes. This was for man's, and we know that that would be wrong. Today we see great unity uh, supporting the murder of unborn children, and in some cases even those who are born. Um, Can I tell you something, just share something with you from my heart? Um, you don't have to be a Republican to value life, and you don't have to be a Democrat to want the best for Hispanics. So, this... So, just take your Bible, see what God says, and do it. So, let's look at good unity, though. Um, Good unity is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. It says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The church, the very bride of Christ, is critically important to the unity of the Christian faith, Uh, I cringe sometimes when I hear people say, oh, I can worship just as well out in nature or at home um, because that's not God's plan. 
Christ died for the universal church, uh, but also for the local church. And we are, the, are best able to stand for Him in a hostile world when we are meeting together routinely. It's important to be at church uh, and meeting together. The second point is about the power of desire. And we'll find this in the second half of verse 1 down through verse 5. All the people ask Ezra, the, the teacher, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, and when the Lord had given, uh, which the Lord had given to the Israelites. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before those uh, who had met together. There, this was on the first day of the month. Um, it was the seventh month of the year. Men, women, and anyone old enough to listen and understand were at the meeting. I'd like just to look around here. If I could get all the kids who are 12 years old and younger just to stand. All the kids who are 12 years old and younger. All the kids who are 12 years old and younger. Y'all stay standing for just a minute. What a great group. What a great group. I look at Spinnaker and I think he's 15. Every time he stands up under 12, I'm, I'm always amazed. Ezra read in a loud voice from the book of the law from early morning until noon. He was facing the open place that was in front of the water gate. He read to all the men and women and to everyone old enough to listen and understand. All the people listened carefully and paid attention to the book of the law. Y'all can sit down. Thank you. So... This is a part that my community group is going to jump in and help with, uh, verse number four. Um, I think Tim had volunteered to help me with that. But uh, So Ezra stood on a high wooden stage. It had been built just for this special time. On his right side stood Fred Edwards and Kevin Minchie and David Turner. Uh, Alan Higginbotham, Ed Brown, and, and uh, Gene, Gene Cody. On the right, on his left, stood um, Cody York and Kevin Wax and Kenny Kangas and Weston Wax. And uh, Ron Gleaves and uh, sorry, can't read. Um, Harold Lopez and Belvin Cox. You didn't really think I was going to try to read all those hard words, did you? Um, actually, these are all pastors. I get emotional. When I, uh, when I think about the faithfulness, of uh, those who have preached God's Word in my life. And uh, very appreciative. Um, so these are all people that's impacted me with um, the Word of the Lord. So even this message today, everyone that I just named has had, in some way has helped prepare me to bring this today. Ezra knew that he needed support for the work of presenting God's Word. And I know that too. But really the real point of this Scripture, this section of Scripture, um, is that there is 
way more power when God's people have a desire to hear God's Word than when they're badgered into it. Any pastor will tell you they desire for the people to want to study God's Word as opposed to being shamed into it or forced into it. It makes so much difference. It makes so much difference. And that was the case here, too, that, um, that they wanted to hear God's Word. And really, they were just, they stood up and asked to hear it. Uh, what a difference it would make today if we were that way as well. Okay, I'm going to step back to a little bit less serious piece here for a second. But for all you football fans, this was the first recorded example of an unbalanced line. (laughs) Six people on one side, seven on the other. It's driving me crazy. The OCD in me is is like, couldn't you have found one more person to get on the stage with you? Um, But anyway, that's a whole different deal. I, I need to lighten it every now and then or I get way too carried away. So Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them on a high stage. As he opened the book of the law, all the people stood up. Would you stand for this next verse? Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people held up their hands and said, Amen, Amen. Then all the people bowed down and put their faces low to the ground, and they worshipped the Lord. You can be seated. Uh, Weston was kind enough to play um, the song uh, for me, I Can Only Imagine. Uh, it's uh, written by a guy named uh, Bart Millard, and uh, he's the lead singer on that as well. But he had this one part that really, uh, I thought, went with this scripture, and it says, Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? So, you know, hearing from God, it causes us to worship, both in standing and being on our knees and kneeling, and uh, and by loudly praising, um, and by becoming speechless at just the truth of His Word. In Luke 1, 67 through 69, uh, it says this, Then Zechariah, John's father, this is a man that knows a little bit about being silent, uh, was filled with the Holy Spirit and told the people a message from God. Praise to the Lord God of Israel. He has come to help His people uh, and has given them freedom. He has given us a powerful Savior from this family of His servant David. Romans 4.11 goes on to say this, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. I am not uh, in any way a proponent of the religion of Islam, but I will say that they have one thing probably better than we do, and that is they know how to kneel. Because, as much as I like Tim Tebow, we are not going to be on one knee. When we, it uh, is clear that every knee is going to bow. You know, do you, if you read through here and you think, do you realize that all of this worship 
that's occurring. And there's a lot of worship occurring here. Do you know that um, it's all because of the faithfulness of Nehemiah? What if Nehemiah had, uh, hadn't been heartbroken at the suffering of his people? He was in a good place. He had a great job. He was a long, long way away. He didn't have to see it, but he heard and he cared. Um, what if he had made the excuse that I make a lot of times? And that is, you know, I just, I don't think I have anything to offer here. Um, or he had even made the, the uh, taken the option that sometimes I've taken too. Hey, I can just send money. I'm going to stay where I'm at. I'll just send some money. But he didn't. He went. And, uh, and there was worship because of that. I found a new, really favorite verse. Uh, sometimes I find verses that I like because they are so very positive. Sometimes I find some I like because they just smack people in the face. And this is a this is a smack in the face one here. Isaiah forty one twenty eight. I love the way it's done in in this particular version too. Uh, it's a contrast to what we've just heard. Isaiah says, I looked at these, those false gods. Not one of them said anything. They had no advice to offer. I asked them questions, but they didn't say a word. I love that. That's not true of God's word. And I am very thankful for that. I hope you are too. All right, here comes our next set of verses or names here. So these men from the tribe of Levi, this is the power of simplicity, by the way. We're at verse 7. These men from the tribe of Levi uh, taught the people about the law as they were all standing there. The Levites were Largelette and Amanda Van Cleve and Myra Willerman, Willerman and uh, Lisa Williams and Patrick Harrison, Valerie Harrison, James Robinson and, and Jessica Robinson and Sam Hankins and Tim Van Cleve and J.J. Gillette, A.J. Swafford, uh, Brian Baskins. They they read the book of the law of God. This is the important part. They made it easy to understand and explain what it meant. They did this so that uh, the people could understand what was being read. So let me do me another favor here. So we did the under 12s. I'm going to get some of the over 12s to stand up now. If you have ever taught at Blackman Baptist in any capacity, if you've taught in the nursery for a one hour period, if you've taught a Sunday school, if you've taught in community group, if, if you've taught in any capacity, would you just stand for a moment? Any capacity. And take no shyness. Ralph, I've been when you've taught. Get up. Get up, Ralph. Get up, Ralph. Anna, you've taught in the nursery. Get up, Anna. Get up, Anna. Look up. Brad, that's right. You know, I got no room for, for false humility here. You've taught. You've taught. I know you've taught. Get up. Look around. Thank you for that. You can, uh, you can be seated. Um, it's just that this is so critical. You've done the work of a Levite. Uh, you've, you've been making it easy for our children and for adults like me 
to understand the word of the Lord. And that's what they found here. That's what, when they were worshiping, you're going to find out that so much of what was really driving that worship was the fact that they understood God's word. And uh, that's so very critical. Uh, So I just tell you, I'm thankful for you. Uh, Verse 9, then Nehemiah the governor, this is a book with his name on there. We hadn't seen a lot out of Nehemiah, mostly Ezra, who some people would say actually wrote the book of Nehemiah. Um, I'm sticking with Nehemiah just because I want to. But So Ezra the priest and teacher and the Levites who were teaching the people spoke. They said, today is a special day to the Lord your God. Don't be sad and cry. Really, I've only been crying because J.J. said he was a crier, and I knew I could outdo him in that particular area. (laughs) Don't be sad and cry. They said that because all the people had begun to cry as they were listening to the messages of God in the law. You know, when you realize what you've been missing, it really, it kind of wounds you sometimes. You just, you think, I've been missing out on what God's Word has for me. That's why we need to stay in it. That's why we need to be here in church. That's why we need to be in Sunday school and we need to be at our community groups. Every place we can get the Word of the Lord, that we can hear it, we need to be there. It's important. Uh, It makes a difference. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy the good food and sweet drinks. Give some food and drinks to those who didn't prepare any food. This was a a festival or a feast day, first day of the month. Uh, Today is a special day to our Lord. Don't be sad because the joy of the Lord will make you strong. In verse 11, the Levites helped the people to calm down. They said, Be quiet, calm down. This is a special day. Don't be sad. Then all the people went to eat the special meal. They shared their food and drinks. They celebrated that special day. They were happy that they could hear the reading of God's law and were now able to understand it. So important. It's why you're so critical in the world today. What you do matters um, for that very reason. Understanding how unworthy we are, that leads us to weep. But understanding how much God loves us, that brings joy. So today, I hope you leave here full of joy about how much our Savior loves us. And the final point, the power of obedience. That's not a word we like uh, in our culture today. To be told to obey is offensive uh, to many people. Um, That's one thing that uh, Gayla's always done with our kids and now our grandkids is uh, they understand the word obey that they're not able to speak to her in certain ways and that when she says something, they need to do that. Um, That word obey is powerful and it's a good word and we need to put that into our hearts. Let's look at what obedience did, the power that comes out of obedience. Verse 13, Then on the second day of the month, the leaders of all the families went to meet with Ezra, the priest and the Levites. They all gathered around Ezra, the teacher, to study the words of the law. They studied and found the commands in the law. The Lord gave this command to the people through Moses. In the seventh month of the year, the Israelites must go to Jerusalem to celebrate a special festival. You've celebrated that festival here before. 
They must live in temporary shelters and the people are supposed to go through all of their towns in Jerusalem and say this, go out into the hill country and get branches from the different kinds of olive trees. Get branches from myrtle trees, palm trees, and shade trees. Use the branches to make temporary shelters. Do what the law says. This was commanded. This was a matter of obedience. So the people went out and they got tree branches. Then they built temporary shelters for themselves. They built shelters on their own roofs and in their own yards. And they built shelters in the temple yard, in the open place near the water gate and near Ephraim gate. The whole group that had come back from captivity built shelters. They lived in the shelters they had built. Since the days of Joshua, son of Nun, up until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated the feast of the festival of shelters like this. Had they celebrated it? They had. What was different this time? Everyone was very happy. Ezra read to them from the book of the law every day of the festival, from the first day of the festival to the last day. The Israelites celebrated the festival for seven days. Then on the eighth day, the people met together for a special meeting, as the law says. Now, if we were in the King James, it would talk about a sacred assembly that they had. So, as I leave you, I leave you today with Philippians 2, 1 through 3, which says this. Think about what we have in Christ, the encouragement He has brought us, the comfort of His love, our sharing in His Spirit, and the mercy and kindness He has shown us. What does that bring? If you enjoy these blessings, then do what will make my joy complete. Agree with each other and show your love for each other. Be united in your goals and in the way you think. In whatever you do, Don't let selfishness or pride be your guide. Be humble and honor others more than yourselves.